Hello, my name is Jose Ramos, and welcome to the very first episode of Excuse Me, What's That You're Listening To? This podcast is about the connections we make with other people through podcasts we love, TV shows that have caught our attention, music that we're enjoying, or pop culture and current events that are invading our mind. In essence, this podcast is about you. Joining me will be my co-host, Sandra Beebe, and a weekly guest to talk about these topics and so much more. We can look forward to great conversations, interesting topics, and a chance to get to know one another. Joining me is someone very special special to me. He has not only been a friend, but a mentor and a great knowledgeable guy. His name is Yosef Dar. He is a president of Dar Radio, which can be found at darassociates.biz. And now on to my interview with Yosef Dar. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to someone that I've had in my life for about 20 years, Mr. Yosef Dar. Yosef, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing just great, Hosland. Um, it's great to be here. No, you're, you're going to be my first guest, so I hope you're, you're ready for the ride that we're about to take. That's I, right. I've That's known right. you as not only one of my best friend's father, but I've known you, I would say, mentor to mentee, and we've had various conversations about so many different things. And one of the things that you sort of brought me into the fray on is that you wanted to start your own streaming radio station. Now, I've immediately jumped at it. I said, you know what, this is something I really want to do because I love music and I know you love music. And it's interesting because we're both of different generations, but we have a lot of a lot of music in common and a lot of things that we discover along the way with one another. What made you decide that you wanted to start online streaming radio station? Well, um, one of the things is so that I, we could not differentiate between our ages, as you alluded to, so that everyone out there in the <laughs> listening public can figure that, oh, wait a minute, he may be a little older than Jose. <laughs> you're, you're only, what, 15 years older oh, than me? That's uh, perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that may be too much in some people's eyes. In any, in any case, um, one thing that uh, generationally, uh, we were enamored with uh, the radio. The radio was a big part of our life. That was our uh, introduction to uh, music and the outside world. And uh, radio and TV actually played a big part. But uh, I think that radio, for my generation, had more significance th than it does now. So uh, now that uh, we have caught up with uh, the technology of the day and you are able to have your own radio station, um, whereas decades ago, in order to have a radio station, it had to be AM and FM, and you had to have all sorts of licenses. So the, the opportunity to have your own radio station and put your voice out there and your thoughts and uh, your likes and dislikes is, was a great draw. Now, I know music is very important to you because your son, Joe, used to always tell us, I remember waking up on Saturdays and my dad would be making pancakes, listen to some Motown, <laughs> either Marvin Gaye or Diana Ross or things like that. Are you still doing that with the, with your grandkids? Well, um, nowadays it's a little different, as you know, as everyone in your audience knows. The, the youth of today carry their music with them everywhere they go. Their head never comes up from that uh, iOS device and those Androids. So 
they always, in the end, there are so many different uh, avenues they could go down to listen to music. So you're uh, really not able to interject what your musical tastes are because they are so involved in theirs, which is uh, really what makes your, uh, you know, your radio, your, your, your podcast so uh, uh, great, Jose. Is it's because uh, when people have their head down and they're listening to different things, it, it's a uh, it's a good point. To, like, what? It, excuse me. What are you listening to? Yeah, it's because well, one of the things that I sort of learned that reminds me of how I knew you. You are a conductor for the New York subway system. Is that when you're at say you're at waiting for a subway at two hundredth indictment? There'd be some guy with a big boombox listening to Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer <laughs> or whatever it was in at the moment. And you're like, oh, my God, what is that sound? Or who is that? Oh, I remember seeing that music video. How's that tape? And so forth. And people still used to communicate about what new albums are hot. You know, before there were bootleg CDs, there were bootleg cassettes tapes and stuff right. like that but you had a lot of people you know really interested in music and bringing in all this influx of you know especially if you go into the city an influx of spanish music and rock music and all these different things and i know you we had conversations about what it was like when you were walking around cbgb's on one area and then the hip-hop heads or the rap heads would be walking one area the people coming out of cbg's cbgb's and then would go to rooftop parties and listen to all this great music and mm -hmm. The cultures would just mesh together, and well, it's yep. just, it, it's very reminiscent of our relationship, where we basically come from different backgrounds, mm -hmm. but music plays a very vital role in our lives. Yes, well, uh, culturally, uh, as a universal culture, music is one of the things that draws all of us together. I mean, you can find the influences in all modern day music of uh, jazz and blues and pop and uh, all sorts of music from everywhere uh, on this planet. So uh, it, it, it's not uh, incidental that, uh, uh, for instance, New York City and uh, uh, those references you made uh, uh, have worked to um, bring music and people together. Uh, it's one of those joining influence, that melting pot that we always talk about in New York City as being one, at one place, but it's, it's, it's all over the country. It's all over the world. Uh, you can go to Japan and listen to American music, and American music is infiltrated from J Japanese music and Chinese music the, and Indian music. has its uh, all of these uh, differences and uh, influences in music and sound have... Uh, work together to uh, try to bring us together. As a matter of fact, I kind of wish that, uh, you know, that people were more uh, intuitive in that way. Uh, it would solve a lot of the things, uh, the ills, I think, of society, because uh, we would all see that uh, there's no difference, and, and, and the cultural differences in music uh, are, is, is a, uh, a starting point for bringing us all together. You know, you remind me of something. Um, I listened to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, um, Revisionist History, and it wasn't until he played, a, he did a couple of episodes about country music. Now, you know, us being from New York, country music is very seldomly ever heard, maybe upstate New York. You may have people that listen to it. But then I'm listening to stuff like George Jones and, and this guy that composed all this music, and I'm like... All this stuff and all these elements I find in all this different type of music that we listen to, it's almost incredible because 
you sort of are closed off to distinct type of music, but at the same time, if you really open your ears to it, you, it become the message, and it can be is universal. Yes, yes, I, I, I agree with you. It is universal. Uh, one of the things I like about your uh, new radio program, if I could talk about mm -hmm. that uh, on Dar Radio, is that you uh, uh, have uh, let your listeners hear just how much these influences uh, have meant and, and, and uh, the uh, great sounds that you can hear on your radio show. Jose, if I can plug you, Jose, yes. Jose's Groove uh, uh, does that. And um, there are some pieces that, uh, you know... Um, that I've heard that you already played on the program that uh, w were beyond my knowledge. Uh, um, you know, some of those great rock bands from the UK uh, joining the blues artists of the United States and, and finding a place in, in, a, in a little cafe somewhere and singing together. It, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And uh, uh, it influences uh, the uh, minds of the youth and uh, they are enjoying it. Uh, and I, I certainly enjoy uh, seeing this uh, a meld and mesh of, of music and uh, what it turns out. Today's artists use all sorts of, of musical uh, genres mm -hmm. and mix them and, mm -hmm. and uh, we are benefited by that. That's interesting that you mentioned that. The thing that really irks me at times is when artists sample stuff mm -hmm. and people don't want to delve deeper into finding out what that sample was. Right. For example, Kanye West samples Curtis Mayfield very frequently and I mm -hmm. wonder to myself... How many kids are looking at the liner notes to see Curtis Mayfield made that and they can actually listen to the, where that song came from? Or, for example, um, going even old school, Big Daddy Kane used mm. a, a beat by Albert King, who mm. I fell in love with his music. Right. And I wonder how many people dove deep and go, hmm, that's Albert King's Born on a Bad Side. Maybe you want to check that out. And it's just a shame that maybe I'm wrong or I'm mistaken, but I don't think kids... The, the way the, the, I think in Mo' Better Blues, they said music is disposable. Music is treated as, as it's disposable. It's in one minute, you throw it away the next minute. Right. Which in many ways is why the blues, when they traveled to Europe, they were regurgitated back to the United States and people grabbed onto it, like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and even the Rolling Stones. People grabbed onto them at that time because... They said we took what it was Amer in America's garbage cans mm -hmm. and we basically mm -hmm. embraced it and loved it and brought it back to you guys. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredible the extension of music. And I'm wondering if that curiosity still exists in this day. Well, I, you know what? I, in listening to you uh, say that, uh, I think it's actually a good thing. It's, it, it's, it is disposable, Jose. I think music absolutely is disposable. Uh, one of the things that makes me say that is that you can get a top uh, top 10 record uh, on at the top of the charts this week and next week you'll hardly even be hearing it. You know, you ask the youth, well, are you still listening to that? No, they've moved on. So music certainly is a disposable. But at the same time, those influences come to play on the music and the artist is, is able to shape it and move it in a different direction, then yes, go ahead and do that. They've done that with the blues and now so so it, it, it is still a force 
trying to move everything closer together so that we culturally become closer together because all of those influence influence the new music that's coming out and it, it's coming so fast and especially in the technology of, of today where you can basically sit at a computer and compose music they it, it's moving so fast that you know if you if you lag behind you'll get left behind and so, so uh, people of my generation awfully often are because you know how often have I heard oh well you know I don't listen I don't like that kind of music sometimes it's about hip-hop or they you know they they won't even delve into a certain kind of music because they uh, are so stuck you know, in, in, in one type of music, whether it's uh, country, western, or, or you know, uh, whatever the genre is. Don't get stuck because there are so many different things to listen. Just listen to. Um, sometimes I like to listen to the harmonies of African music with the drums and the natural harmonies that they culturally bring to music and uh, uh, or Indian music with with their stringed in instruments and 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 uh, the the meditational music that that comes from that and sometimes an artist is able to see it some like Kanye West, who on, on, on uh, many occasions is right when he finds music and melds them and brings them back together. Um, a lot of times we don't bother to go into where the music came from or why it came from or what meaning it had when it was first recorded, but it means something totally different to the youth now. And that's important. You see, that makes me realize, though, you saying that, that I guess if it touches one person, at least that is a plus. Mm -hmm. That one person will dive deep and figure out where these beats are from and mm -hmm. be able to expand upon it. That's right. And it's just that, you know, I just keep on hoping I find that one person. Because, <laughs> you know, like I said, I... I, in uh, my later years, discovered Albert King because I started picking up um, the guitar for a little bit. Right. And um, I just was just blown away. And then I'm looking at the history of Albert King and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I was oh, telling you, Stevie okay. Ray Vaughan, this 12-year-old kid shows up at, these, at this jazz club, listening to Albert King perform, asking him for tips and learning how, you know, how mm -hmm. to play music. About 10 years later, this kid is asking for Albert King to meet him on stage. Right. Asking who is Stevie? Who's right. Stevie? Who's this kid Stevie? And they said, you don't remember? It's that kid that you taught how to play music. Right. And they performed that one album together, which was a live recording on a Texas television. And it just blows you away because you see right. master and student, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. teacher and student literally right. playing together and the, right. and the the relationship that exists between them. Sometimes I wonder where where, where the next mentor-mentee comes in. When well, it comes it's to music. always out there, whether we see it or not. Music has that ability to bring you back in space and time. How often have we heard a song that we haven't heard in 20 years and all of a sudden when you hear that song that you can, it will can almost place you in the room that you were 20 years ago where mm -hmm. you can experience this so music has this magical quality for us what are, what are we listening to you know th those are the th these things that we're listening to are indelibly blended into our into our souls you know, maybe that's where soul music comes from and blues music because it came from somewhere deep inside. And if the artist is good enough, he can bring that forth again and take you back to a different time, a different place. It can bring you back to uh, a person. 
uh, relationship, good or bad, <laughs> actually, mm -hmm. you know, uh, some people, you know, I can't listen to that song because it reminds me of that girl or this guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, can't, I can't hear that song, you know. George Jones, he stopped loving it today. Right, <laughs> right, right. This is the music that I broke up to 20 years ago. You know what? <laughs> I told you this before. When I found out that song was about the fact that the guy died, that's why he stopped loving her. I'm like, wait a second, what? Right, 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 right. right. Sometimes the melody takes over before the words pop in. You say, wait a minute, what is that? What is that? You that's know? what's great about music, though. Some mm -hmm. music makes you think, but you're talking about right. African music, Indian music, and right. all these different types of music. It right. reminds me of Paul Simon's Graceland album. Ah, when right. he's traveled to South Africa, I believe it was, mm -hmm. and started, he literally had African musicians right. help them compose and come up with yes. and just to show how universal music great. is yes that was a great album. that it just shows you right. that one artist that is loved by everyone right. went to another country and used their influences and brought them back over here that's right and you're talking about japan mm -hmm. if you would be find be surprised by how much Japanese people love salsa music. Right. They dance better than I do. Oh well they are well acquainted with with how and, and what, what makes music important. Uh, I'm always impressed by the karaoke that they love to do, and, and, and they sing blues songs and things by Ray Charles and, and, and Elvis Presley, and, and, and they love, they generally have a love of, of music, and uh, they bring that with them. And uh, again, it is an influence that can bring us together as one society. And uh, for me, that is most important. That is one of the most important uh, influences in my life, to see that uh, or try to be positive in, in bringing uh, people and ideas together because we are just so far apart sometimes, it seems. And uh, music, again, like I said, can bring people together. Now, I know on my, on my program, Jose's Groove, I like to play a little bit of everything. I like to play, as you mentioned, a little bit of Spanish music, a mm -hmm. little bit of even, you know, jazz and right. everything. What type of music is it that you play on your station, that apart from Jose's Groove? Uh, well, I wanted it to concentrate on jazz. Uh, so it has a heavy jazz influence. Um, one of the reasons being that I found jazz to be inclusive of so many different cultures. Um, you can find so many, the, the, the artists of so many different cultures have contributed greatly to all sorts of uh, jazz music. Um, the radio station itself, uh, besides having a heavy jazz bass, uh, we will we do play uh, pop and blues and and country. I I don't try to uh, exclude any particular genre, but uh, for me, I I thought that uh, a, a great jazz station would would be always appreciated, and so uh, for that reason, I have uh, concentrated on jazz. Maybe if I expand or if. Uh, uh, DAW Radio expands, it will expand into different areas, and uh, that is one reason also why uh, I really appreciate uh, Jose's Groove being on, on our regular programming, because uh, where the uh, normal 24-hour station is devoted to jazz and blues, uh, I find that uh, uh, Jose's Groove goes... Uh, even further in diversifying the radio station, and uh, that's important. Now, what was the last concert you've been to? 
The last concert I was at was actually, yes, Lisa Stansfield. I think that was at Westbury. Was it Westbury? But it was Lisa Stansfield. And you know that uh, she was very popular in the 90s. Late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. 90s, Lisa Stansfield. And uh, she is a vibrant locomotive. <laughs> she, she's in her 50s now, uh, late 50s, mid-50s, and she is a firecracker. I mean, she, she puts on a show, really, really wonderful uh, uh, artist. And uh, I really enjoyed that show. I, I did really enjoy that show. Now, one of the funnier concerts that you've ever been to, you told me, was George Clinton. Would you like to talk about that one? <laughs> and, well, George Clinton, uh, uh, yes, um, that was uh, during my youth. And, and George Clinton was really, he was all the way live. Uh, I think it was like on the back end of, of the free love movement at that time. <laughs> and and um, I, I tell you that... The, the, the part about that that show was that um, it was performed in the nude. <laughs> okay. I remember you saying, "Out yes, yes. came this man yes. naked as a jaybird yes. onto stage, started was, playing music." It was <laughs> okay. The shock value of that, you know, and and and, and well, I mean, the visual <laughs> of that is. is Still burned into my memory. <laughs> so whatever you think of... George, yes, yes. Anytime I think of that, you know, as a matter of fact, it affected me so much that anytime I hear anything that's funk, funk music, anything with a funky beat automatically brings that picture into my head. Yes. That. Now, the reason why I bring George mm -hmm. Clinton, he has one of my favorite songs of all time. Okay. It was with, I believe it was with Parliament. Mm. It's Maggot Brain. I maggot think it was either Funkadelic. No, it was Funkadelic. Funkadelic. It was Funkadelic Maggot right. Brain. That's and the right. story behind the song. The Funkadelics. On uh, Maggot Brain mm -hmm. is one of the most insane stories I have ever heard. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with this story, but him and Eddie Hazel mm -hmm. are doing LSD. Right. So already you know it's going to be a crazy story. Oh, yeah. So he basically says to Eddie Hazel, Eddie, I want you to perform a song or compose a song for me. And pretend I just told you your mother died. Oh, boy. And you see Eddie Hazel just, like, wailing on the guitar, just crying. Like, you could hear the, the tears streaming from, not from his eyes, but from the actual guitar. Right. And, mm -hmm. after, and his, as he's lamenting the loss of his mother, mm -hmm. he says, now pretend I just told you she's alive. Mm -hmm. And you can see the transition of the song. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it just blew my mind. It, right. The song's called Maggot Brain. And then he starts mm -hmm. doing... Uh, George Clinton starts doing some vocals on there that's absolutely, you know, unnecessary. Because the song on its own as an instrumental is just mind-blowing. Right. And it's, um, it's just just the, the emotions that music brings. It's mm. incredible. Mm. The emotions that it evokes. It's, mm -hmm. it's, as you said, it's, you know, with blues, for example. Albert King says, we're all born with the blues. From the moment we wake up to the very moment we die, the blues mm -hmm. is in us no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredible, just the how music can reach us emotionally. Yes, 
Yes. Uh, you know what? It, it, it's hard to uh, add to that, really, uh, what, what you're saying, but music does have that ability, uh, as we've been saying. It has the, the, the ability to move you. And uh, if you're in a state of altered mind, it actually appears to be beneficial in some ways that you are able to reach I'm into sure, I'm sure Bob Marley and Peter <laughs> Tosh will agree with you. Into places. <laughs> They're into thinking places about Africa that, uniting. <laughs> it helps you reach into places that you would not normally be able to assess. You know, it's like sitting at home uh, listening to your favorite jazz and you casually open a bottle of a nice Chianti and, and you're having a little uh, afternoon sip with that music. It actually, and you know, some of those listeners know what I'm talking about, it will enhance the quality of the music that you're listening to. It sounds even deeper. So, yes, the creative influence that... Uh, 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 mind bending. Uh, so, if I got you correctly, I should yes. move to Portland, partake right. to the marijuana that's clearly legal now over there, and listen to uh, some Pink all Floyd. Legal things. And listen to some Pink Floyd. We, we have to stay with all things legal. You all, hear that, Mom and Dad? Right, that's right. All things. Uh, yes, Yosef Dar advocates all legal uh, recreational avenues. things. <laughs> okay, and and uh, unfortunately. Uh, now it depends on what state you're in and, and what state of mind and what state of the union you're in that uh, mm -hmm. you, yes. But uh, music will eventually solve that problem too. We sing about it enough. It'll come to, it'll come to uh, fruition. Now, I told you one of my favorite stories regarding music and you, and mm -hmm. <laughs> I still to yeah. this day okay. makes me die laughing. It was your son, Joe, yeah. myself, mm -hmm. my brother, mm -hmm. And I believe my cousin Marvin may have been involved in some way or another. Okay. Right. And you were driving us around for game night that you were hosting. Right. And we turned on, I think it must have been, nah, it must have been like Hot 97 or one of these radio stations. Mm -hmm. And they played Eddie Murphy's Party All the Time. Mm -hmm. You were dying laughing, mm -hmm. not because the song came on. Mm -hmm. But because one by one by one, the dominoes were falling and we're right. all singing party all the time. Right. It was... Right. <laughs> right. You were looking at us like, what the hell is going on here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't that funny? The, you know, some songs are, are, are like that too. I mean, you know... Um, Look at the influence that music really has on us. That Rick and, James had and, on us? <laughs> yes, even, even Rick James, you know. Uh, well, I, I think that years ago, uh, that was people's aversion to rock and roll. Don't listen to that devil music. You know, they were telling their kids, don't listen to this, don't listen to that. You know, this is music, uh, you know, and... Um, it was because we, we have always realized the power that music has, um, the listening, you know, what are you listening to? Excuse me, what are you listening to, to give, you know, to give your uh, mm -hmm. podcast a little plug, but it's, it, it, it's, it's funny. 
we sing little songs to our children. And when we sing these little songs to our children, they remember these songs the rest of their lives. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, uh, I, that moment that we were all together and we were and this uh, song came on and it was a memorable, it was a memorable tune, you know, party you know, like, all the time, <laughs> you know. And, 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 you know, it has a lot to do with who's performing also. The personality of the performer uh, lends itself to the music. Well, I just happen to have the song here in karaoke no, so we can don't. sing it together. No, no. you don't. <laughs> you don't, you don't. Oh, you no, don't. no. I'm not going to subject our listeners to that. That would be the yeah. worst thing oh, in the world. it would be. It Maybe would everyone be. wants to hear you sing it, but certainly not me. Well, you know, we are li- we, we by profession are listeners. You know, we're, we're not singers, except sometimes in the shower, you know, you may uh, belt out a tune or two, you know, but it's enhanced by so, the water running. So you're telling me I should go into when you're taking a shower, put in a recorder and just record you while you're singing. All right, I got you. No. I got you. No. <laughs> I'm going to work with Joe. I'm going to tell Joe, yo, oh. record your dad singing so we can put it on the podcast oh, boy. or on we'll the radio station. You'll, you'll see you'll see more sales. You'll see more sales on that than anything you've ever recorded. <laughs> Sure, sure. You know, sometimes that happens too. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard some bad music that really made it? William Hung. You know, oh, see, that's right. And it's all about the personality. It's, oh it can be God. all about the personality of the one who's singing it. Um, and that's a very interesting note because what we think of as great music can be altered by just the personality of the singer. When you think about the voices of some of the most popular singers, Janis Joplin, uh, 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 Louis Armstrong singing, you know, someone told him that you cannot sing. Play that horn, but you cannot sing. But one of the things that make his, his music most memorable is when he sang. He could play that horn, but when he sang, that's when the personality of the performer came across. And even though the, it wasn't a, a Harry Belafonte singing, it was something that he made it memorable for you. But it doesn't hurt when you have Ella Fitzgerald to sing right next to you, though. That's true, too. That, that, that's true, too. And, and some of the greatest singers wanted to sing Let, with him. Let's be honest with ourselves. When they were both singing together, everyone was there to listen to Ella sing. People are like, all right, Louis, you, you, you can do your thing, but we're really here for Ella. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I... I know, I'm just, de- I'm just teasing, I, though. I, I look for both. I mean, you know, of I, course. when they were both singing, uh, separate, Louis Armstrong on his own, I love to hear him sing. Together with Ella, it was, it was pure magic. It was pure magic. You would have thought they were together. That's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how charismatic it that's was. Right. You can, it, it was. You can literally see the well, sparks. Well, they were great friends. You can literally see and feel they the sparks fly off, the, off every note of the song so right. they would sing together. Right. Of course, because they have a great relationship, a yes, great friendship exactly, that they had. Exactly. So when he would sing one it's, way, she knew when to kick in without ha- much, him having to give her a cue and go, now it's your turn. It's much like this podcast mm-hmm. you, and, and the relationship that you and I have had for those 20 years or so that you spoke about. You know, that's what makes this podcast great. <laughs> yeah, right. it, you know. The, the self, thing, a little self-promotion yeah. there, right? Oh, okay. Jose, All right. Jose's Groove. Jose's Groove. On Dar Radio. Oh, that's, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, the thing that I, I love is the fact that you see the, the budding, you know, for example, you would never expect to put together... 
Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Right. But my God, they, they sound great together. Oh yeah. And of course, oh, if yeah. you know about Lady Gaga when she was under her own name Stephanie Germanata, <laughs> she did play music on the pianos and sang right. beautifully. But right. Lady Gaga was what got the person, was what got the attention. But her as Stephanie, she made such beautiful music that mm-hmm. didn't get attention. But she took Stephanie and put it together with Tony Bennett, and you're like, right. wait a second, this is, right. this isn't Lady Gaga's pop music. This right. is this is her singing standards at a, right. so beautifully that it introduced a younger generation mm-hmm. to standards, two different types of music that you and know to we were, be able to move back and forth between the genres of the music. transition. Yep. That, that moving back and forth between genres of music really identifies a great artist, you know. And uh, it takes a lot of work and precision to be able to do that, to move between genres and, and sing well enough for to attract an audience. Now, I got a question for you. Sure. This is a very difficult question. Mm-hmm. What decade, in your opinion, had the best music? Oh, boy. Wow, that, uh, now that is a hard question uh, because uh, each decade has its own uh, feeling and its own... Uh, if you could only listen to music uh, from this, from X decade, what decade would you say, plug me in there and I don't care, this is the well, set music I want to listen well, to? Because I, I, I already have whole, my own. I have I my own answer. The, I think the whole, uh, that, that whole uh, argument is, is really based on uh, when the person has his most or her most uh, memorable experiences. If you are a young person and you're coming up with a certain type of music, whether it's hip hop uh, or, or rap or, or classical music for that matter, um, if you're coming up with that and this is a happy time in your life, 20 years from now, you're going to identify that time period as the greatest music ever. <laughs> because that that's naturally what we do. It, um, um, like you and I, though, uh, Jose, um, we are, uh, I hesitate to say, aficionados of music uh, and all genres of music. And um, um, I personally like the disco era. The 70s era. I love so the you disco. and I are in agreement. Then. I love the disco era. It was fun. It was light. It, it was... Excite! It was an exciting time. Um, the music was was lighthearted. Also, I mean, some of the music uh, today can be a little harsh. I guess only to people of my and your generation. But uh, uh, in answer to that question, I would say the the seventies and uh, the sixties and the seventies uh, for me. Were, Let me tell you why I agree with the seventies. You had Curtis Mayfield at his peak. Mm-hmm. You had Led Zeppelin at their peak. Right. You had Led Elton John, I would say, maybe at his peak, really right. during the experimental phases. Right. Although he was going through some issues in the 70s still, but mm-hmm. it really became more huge in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You had them at their peak. You had the Rolling Stones at their peak. I mean, right. you had, what is it, um, Beggar's Feast was on produced in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I think that... Marvin Gaye was at his peak in the seventies with right. all the with all experimenting with all this different type of music. Right. Produced that um the ecology album with uh for Motown mm-hmm. and then ended up making Here My Dear when he got divorced um to uh Barry Gordy's sister, Anna. Mm-hmm. You had I think some of the greatest R and B artists, because I really love R and B, like I know right. you have an affinity right. for it. Right. I think R and B reached its peak in mm-hmm. the seventies. 
Although Luther was in the 80s and right. even Barry White was more emerged in the 70s, but right. really became huge in the 80s. I think the 70s really was yeah. that 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 tilting yes confluence of music people were they were experimenting more yeah exactly exactly they were experimenting more they were doing just that uh as we expressed in at the beginning of this show that uh that move that move of music to uh bring people together and 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 ideas and and cultural and cultures um that confluence of, of of ideas and thought and music during that time was actually the greatest for me. And we, we started to, in the change of, of music, we also saw ourselves changing culturally as a nation, as, 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 as a world, actually, as we all started to reach out that, that era when uh, computers and, and technology and, and everything was starting to come together to make the world a smaller place. And so uh, ears were peaked for different sounds, and uh, we, we had it all at, at that time, it seemed. And uh, so, in answer to that question, yes, I, I think the 70s... Uh, Is there an artist that doesn't get much attention now that you can think of that you want to recommend to people that, you know, for, or that could be the f first recommendation? Maybe Lisa Stansfield, since you said she was the last concert. Well, she was gr she was great, and she was um, you know for, on on the back end of 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 that era, and uh, she sang some great club music and and heartfelt music. I, so I, I do appreciate her, uh, but when you you ask that question, I start to think you know someone is asking me, well, who is your favorite artist, and who would you like to hear, and um, I always tend. And, you know, it's just me because everybody has their favorites and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and my favorite, actually, is Sade. You know, the group, the person, Sade. Uh, that I actually learned. Sade isn't the name of the person, although she right. is Sade. Right. It's the name of the group, Sade. It's the name of the really? group. Really? That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. And, Way and, to stroke your ego right there, lady. <laughs> and, and she was... I. I I, when I think about her and I, I bring her up to uh, the youth or, you know, someone listening to today's music, and they say, who's Sade? Who's Sade? Wow. You know. And, so that's who you feel that people aren't listening to enough these days that you would say. I wish know, she would come back. I wish Actually, she, I think she is coming back now, though. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me mm. she's coming. Mm. She's got. Not, she's working mm, on a new album. Number, so at least, there number you go. one fan. Your number one fan is sitting here waiting. I've got money in my pocket. I've been saving. How about you fork some over I've this? Been, <laughs> I've been. I've been saving my money for that ticket. If, oh, she, if she decided to do it, you know, and and you know, sometimes you find an artist who has a a niche, and that they can really just work that niche and and she had a way of getting to you her music was soulful and jazzy and pop and um i just thought she was larger than life and uh and then she disappeared off the scene you know and you know a lot of times family and and, and different things uh get in the way of careers i say get in the way of but you know it's all according to what you um prize most, uh, even when, you know, in any career, you know, if you put this first, you know, if family is first, sometimes you have to put it down. But while she was singing, 
uh, I thought uh, her body of work was really phenomenal. Would I be mistaken in equating her to Prince? Well, I think that in her versatility, yes. Because I think she, in her versatility, she experimented a lot with different type of beats and sounds, stuff like that. And yes. even, even made her own beats as well. Yes. And composed yeah. a lot of music. I used to think to myself... She has. She reminds me a lot of of Prince. Not necessarily that she can play all these instruments, right. but in the studio, she's like, "No, you do this, 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 mm -hmm. this. You kick it now here." Yeah. Like she's composing it even on on the spot. She, she knows sound, what she wanted. She had a sound that was at once poetic, at once melodious, at once jazzy, and pop. She could put oh, and I forgot blues. The blues influence, the jazz and blues influence on her was absolutely fantastic. And she brought this soulful, bluesy, jazzy, seductive voice with a great band behind her. It was just phenomenal. I would, if you haven't heard uh, any Sade or go into her albums uh, and, and see, if, see if I'm right. No, I definitely, right. I definitely would say people should definitely give her yes. more attention because yes. that's probably the the younger generations, but beneath me, I would right. say, mm -hmm. that hasn't seen her perform or even heard of her perform should definitely see where some of your influences of modern day artists comes from because I'm more than sure if you were to ask John Legend or if you were to ask, um, I don't know, I'll say Katy Perry or one of these mm -hmm. younger, more modern artists. Who are your influences? Sade is probably one of the artists that they... I'm more than sure right. they would say Mariah Carey, and then Mariah, even Mariah Carey would say Sade was one of my influences, too. Right, right. So right. It, it, you can see, you can link it up from, like, Diana Ross mm -hmm. to Sade to, and, and, in, and see the chains of, or the links of music as a transition from one generation to the next. Right. That's right. That's right. Now, I know you are also a huge fan of television and movies because you used to you have one of the largest collection of films and and television I know. And you sort of inspired me in terms of my um cinematic influences as to what I've seen throughout the years. I remember we were you used to talk about um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I hadn't seen oh, that movie for like right. five years when it came right. out. Right. He said, what? You're coming to my house right. and we're watching One this movie. One of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> and then I showed you Rashomon and you gave me a yeah. look like, what? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. it very much um, influenced me in terms of what I like in terms of cinema. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to be... What what made you an, such an aficionado of cinema? Was it the writing? Was it the experience of going to a movie theater? Was it... Is there anything that basically said, you know what, movies is also another passion of mine? Well, uh, as a kid, I was punished so much. And one of the things while I was being punished was only a TV to watch. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> so uh, no, no. Uh, seriously, though... Um, the artistry involved in movies uh, has always interested me. And uh, there's nothing in, in my mind great, better than, uh, you know, to watch a, a story being told. Um, a story being told is actually um, one of the, uh, and I'm, 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 I think I'm remembering a, a, one of our fictional um, uh, characters talking about the art of the story. 
And uh, in this fictional account, uh, aliens uh, wanted to know, you know, what uh, the Earth was was about, and they were fiction. They were monitoring the Earth through fictional stories that were being told on television, and they took it for the real history of the Earth. In any case. Um, Stories being told is one of the things that we're talking about when we're talking about music. Uh, music is a story being told, whether it's the blues or jazz is uh, uh, instruments are interpreting uh, a feeling. Um, stories being told is very important to us. So when we uh, look at our history and we're in school and we're looking at history books, we're looking, we're looking at stories being told. And so uh, I have always been uh, interested in stories being told and, and what are uh, well put together stories. So my, my collection of movies uh, and films uh, of all kinds has always been about um, the story being told. Uh, is it a good story? And uh, I wasn't stuck as as in music, I was not stuck on genres. Uh, I, uh, I liked a good story, if it was a horror story or a, a Western. Uh, we, we came up uh, in an era when, excuse me, when uh, Westerns were, uh, you know, on television all day long. So I appreciate a, a, a good Western and uh, love stories and um, um, many different genres of, of, of music and, and of film. So um, uh, my collection of both has, has been over the years, I, I tend to hoard them and collect them, um, those uh, great movies. Uh, um, I think we were talking about what or you mentioned... Uh, a crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and, uh, uh, and movies of that nature where um, great directors find a great story and put it together cinematically uh, is, is, is one of the great pleasures to be able to sit there for an hour, two hours, and, and, and look at this story unfold before you. And uh, I think uh, culturally, uh, as a world culture, actually, um, what is the story? You know, now, well, if someone were to ask me to guess what your favorite TV show because of the writing, because mm -hmm. I know you're someone that loves great story writing, mm -hmm. I'm going to take my amazing Kreskin abilities, take an envelope and press mm. it to my forehead, and I'm probably going to say Breaking Bad. I've never watched Breaking Bad, and I'm no, I get the feeling you would say, what? How come you have it yet? <laughs> but I get the feeling you probably love a good Vince Gilligan, well-written uh, story TV show. Well, you know, uh, well, you... you Unless you, you're going to say Lost, because... No, <laughs> no well... Then, you know, I'll say, then I'll say you lost me right there. <laughs> I was lost and lost. I was lost. Because uh, you know what I'll give myself because I made that stupid joke? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, okay. Yeah. Well, those things are, you know, the stories are all about taste also. I mean, you know, everyone is, is, is influenced by, you know, what their uh, situations are, were, have been, you know. And uh, so people tend to like uh, um, 
you know, different movies, different things, you know, it's all according to your taste, you know, what is it, as a matter of fact, I did, I thought that was a great TV series, you know, I loved that as a TV series, it, it was well written, well put together, it was fast moving, so yeah, I, I did like that. So if I was to ask you what show do you feel gives off or is the most exemplary for story writing, is it that show or is there another show that, and prove me wrong? In my in my question, like if abilities. I told you it was all in the all in the family, I would agree with you. No, I would agree with you, <laughs> you know? because that show to yes. me, all in the family. When right. I watched episodes of it here and there, right. Right. not Archie's place, but right. all in the family, right. it was it was counterculture. It was yes. about the different difference of exactly. Like I told you, we were discussing about you know you grew up in a very traditional household. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very traditional household because mm-hmm. my parents were raised by older parents. So you could see that there was people of the current generation Mm -hmm. countering people of the prior generation or the previous generation and trying to come to an understanding of each other Mm -hmm. knowing they're too far extremes or too far different because of the times. There's people that knew, for example, Archie Bunker grew up in the Great Depression, Mm -hmm. so he knew what it was like to grow up in the port. In the poor times, you know, when, right. when you would be on soup lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you here you have his daughter and her husband growing up during the time of Vietnam and basically them feeling that, that they have to be more vocal in their in their protest. And whereas Archie was a veteran from right. World War II that got drafted there and had no choice, whereas mm-hmm. here are people saying, no, we, we choose to fight the government and mm-hmm. oppose what... Right. The way, yeah, right. I could see. I could. Norman Lear is a, a definitely oh, a great, yeah. a great yeah. writer. He oh, produced yeah. Stanford and Son. Oh, yeah. uh, right. What else? Uh, Stanford and Son. Even the Jeffersons was mm-hmm. was um, co-produced by him or mm-hmm. produced by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say Norman Lear is probably one of the best writers on television. Oh yes, as a breakout series, that was a, that that was great because you know it was more honest than we had ever been. It was more. It was a more honest show than we had ever been. And so we were able to look into the minds of people who had differences of opinion, differences of thought, differences of culture, and to accept it in the same half-hour series and mm-hmm. look at it. And, and, and there were moments of cringing, okay, yeah. which, which is, when in my Arch- mind, When Archie essential. got kissed by Sammy Davis Jr. on the right. cheek. <laughs> it's essential that w- that we have those moments of cringing when we can evaluate and understand what it is that makes us cringe and and why why did why did I have that feeling and and to watch and see that it's there because you know when you ignore it and think that um, well we're not going to talk about a certain subject the subject only gets worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if we're able to talk and to see you, you could even fall in love with Archie Bunker. That there was something about that character that you had to say, well, yeah, that's him. Okay, and that's why, and this is why, and and so when when we're able to see it and it's out in the open, we're able to um, get an honest and and have an honest feedback about those types of situations. We we face things that we would not... That show made you face things that you may not have thought about the other guy's opinion or how the other guy felt. And until we, as people, not, you know, 
a particular cultural people, but a people as in a world start to look at each other and, and think, oh, well, let me put, how would I feel in that place? How would I feel in the place of the Mexican, okay, across the border with no job? How would I feel if that was me? Well, until we are able to start putting ourselves into places of other people, then uh, we, we, we will not ever get to that place where we can walk hand in hand. But this is, uh, this is one of the things we've been talking about here for almost an hour now, and uh, that uh, music and, and, and movies, these things are, are, are good, so because it's a, we're able to look and laugh and feel the blues and, and, and watch it in the movies, watch a great uh, movie, a love story on TV. So these are uh, some of the great things about our particular time. Yeah, I definitely, yes. I definitely yes. agree. Like I yes. said, with especially regarding Norman Lear, right. um, you know. But at the same time, you had your Norman Lear and you had your comedy. You also had, if we're looking at specifically that era, mm -hmm. you had you also had Mash that would come out. So right. you were having a different right. perspective of things. Right, that's right. From you know, obviously mm -hmm. that that took place during the v, uh, Korean War, the mm -hmm. the TV show, even right. though it was in set in during the times of the Vietnamese War. Right, but it was just a difference of. Let's see what we can do to portray a story mm -hmm. to be able to see what pe bring two people from opposite sides and see where they meet. Right. And in many ways, you were talking about you can like Archie, the real hero of the show. Could you could say is Edith because mm -hmm. she's mm -hmm. the one that has to figure out how to be able to neutralize both sides mm -hmm. that they're able to get along. Their father and daughter, their father and father-in-law, or yeah, father and father-in-law, and or. You know, son-in-law and father-in-law and stuff like that, or even neighbors. You you had Archie uh, living next to George Jefferson. They're two different planes of people, mm -hmm. two different races of people. But the fact is that there was something there that people loved just to see. Oh my God! Let me sit down and see how what's the next thing that these right. two are right. going to talk about. Right. And because then you slowly see that they come to they settle their differences and they realize how much alike they are mm -hmm. one another. Because of a conversation. That's, That's right. one of the things that we talked about. Um, you and I had a side conversation about. Mm -hmm. Is that people stop coming to a table to have a conversation anymore. Right. And one of the things that you and I had talked about is. It's okay for you to like things. It's mm -hmm. not. You don't have to say. Oh my God. Because you like that. I have to hate you from now on. And we have right. to be on opposite sides. You and I can have a disagreement. And still get along. That's right. That's that is right. really what's missing now. Well, and especially program. with, like you said, with music. Music is something that you may like your type of music. I may like my type of music. But if you show me something that you love with a passion and explain mm -hmm. to me the reason why you love this with a passion, mm -hmm. maybe I'll agree with you and I'll go, you know what? You're right. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, look, I love, I, I maybe I'll end up playing a song or two of theirs. I love Iron Maiden. I've seen them live four times. Mm -hmm. And right. actually, no, I've seen them live five times. Mm -hmm. And it's blown me away. If you had asked me when I was 14, 15, if I would ever listen to them, mm -hmm. I'm like, who's them? Who are they? But now as an adult, I appreciate the music because they talk about history and they, mm -hmm. they talk about war and they talk about all these different things in, with historical value that just piques my interest mm -hmm. about people reacting to things and all these things. And it's just incredible. You sit down with someone and go, hey, what is that you're listening to? Like I said, with my podcasting mm -hmm. that I created, it's just to be able, it's a conversation starter. Right. 
Right. It's a conversation starter to see it's if we can come to our bring two different types of people or right. three different types of people say, hey, I like this. Do you are mm-hmm. you interested in that? Let's have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. See where that takes us because, like I said, not only is music worldwide mm-hmm. television. We're watching British shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that started in the sixties with shows right. like The Prisoner and other right. shows that were brought over. But we're watching shows from Britain. We're watching shows from France. So they're being revamped for our sensibilities. And we say, no, I prefer the original one that came from overseas. Right. You know, some people say, I love The Office from Britain instead of the American version of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it just shows you when you gather different cultures and make one mm-hmm. into this giant melting pot that is the United States. It's right. just beautiful what emerges from these confluences of, of different cultures melting together. Just to take you back a moment, uh, you mentioned uh, Edith Bunker, mm-hmm. and the thing that I loved about, uh, and that was Gene Stapleton, um, the thing that I loved about the character of Edith Bunker was the innocence with which she attacked different situations. And it gave me comfort to know that there were actually people who were like her, who did not hate anything in particular, and only had love in their heart. That is who that character portrayed. And there are people like that in this world, although we don't hear from them because they're usually the quiet ones. And, but that was, one of, that was one of the greatest characters that endeared that show to me, watching Edith and uh, uh, her relationships with people and how she did not see, she truly did not see color or, 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 or circumstance or, or, or anything, even though the, the characters of her husband and the neighbors, uh, they were always affected by different outside influences which caused uh, friction or, you know, that necessary uh, friction in, in the... Uh, in the, in the drama that was being portrayed. But uh, it was always Edith that was the voice of, of, of reason there, you know. And uh, who is the meathead, the, 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 the husband? That is um, right. um, Reiner, Reiner, not, not uh, Rob Reiner? Rob, yeah. Yes, Rob Reiner, that's right. Uh, he always tried to play that, you know, play that, that, uh, uh, that, uh, intermediary piece, you know, but, you know, between trying to explain things about the culture. But even he had an edge to him, you know, because he was a little intolerant of, of even Ar- of Archie's views. He was intolerant of that, maybe rightly so, but it was always Edith who just played displayed the middle and that middle person is 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 certainly always out there. They they are all that silent majority, I like to think. Yes. Now, before we finish this off, I have another question for you. Yes. You being the conductor of trains, uh, do you miss graffiti on trains? <laughs> <laughs> do you miss seeing the subway car roll by with the name Joseph Dar? <laughs> Just uh, the, the truth is, Jose, that I, you know, uh, while I was with the New York City Transit Authority, I had many positions there. Um, I, and uh, conductor was one of them. I also operated a train. Uh, and and um, 
my my experience with that was, uh, you know, that well. Don't I, tell me they had you in the yard <laughs> cleaning off the spring. We didn't have we we did. Uh, you know what? I didn't have that experience of, of trying to clean it. I remember that being a massive, massive project that the city had taken on to eradicate that. And I mean, I know they had to spend millions of dollars to try to get that because it all of a sudden that just exploded. You could, you couldn't look and see a train that wasn't hit by by artists of graffiti. Uh, but isn't that isn't isn't that how art is? You know, though a lot of those uh, graffiti artists went on to became become famous uh, artists. Uh, uh, you know, in that 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 type of art, uh, they, there were a lot of them that had a serious uh, uh, artistic um, talents, and um, instead of defacing pub- public property, you know, they eventually steered them towards doing mur- murals on uh, buildings and, and that sort of thing. Uh, some some rose to real prominence and. Uh, um, Became very famous uh, in, in in doing the art, but I, I'm sure the uh, New York New York City did not appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> I know they did not appreciate uh, that. That um, I I do remember uh, as a conductor during that time that uh, we were like spotters. We had to report if we saw anything anything written on a subway wall or, or car, we had to immediately uh, let them know because uh, they were on a mission to eradicate it. And it seemed like there was a war between the graffiti artists and, and the city of New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. I used to watch those movies like Beat Street and, and right. I forgot what the other one, the... Uh, mm-hmm. God, I'm trying to remember the one with the electric boogaloo. I think it was. I oh, can't remember boy. the name of it. Yeah. You used to see yeah. like, oh man, mm-hmm. I spotted a train with no graffiti. That That's one's right. mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> had to yes. sneak off onto the lot yard yeah. and have to spray paint whatever. They they were amazing and acrobatic people and because fast. they would put they would put graffiti on places where you would have to say, how did they get, <laughs> how did they get up there? I mean, they put things on the side of buildings and bridges that you would have, they risked their lives for the art, okay? That's really, they risked their lives for the sake of the art. That is a true artist. When you risk your life for the art, that is true art. Now, if people want to listen to DAR Radio, what would they have to do to go go there? DARassociates.biz. DARAssociates.biz. And it's you a, will get right to the radio station and you go right to there and you, you click on the button and there we are. Yeah, you get to listen to all beautiful jazz music, even Jose's groove right on there, and then you can right. even access the podcast. Just right? the way it's spelled DARAssociates.biz. And, and that uh, D A R, by the way, stands for Diverse Artistic Resources. Mmm. See, we you learn something new each and every day. That's right. So, you, Joe, I want to tell you thank you for coming on board with for me with the for this hour long recording. You're the first guest that I have on, so I'm looking forward to having more people email us and talk about um, what music they want to hear on there. Maybe give some suggestions. What's an email that um, they can hit you up at? Uh, events at gmail.com. You hear that? Joseph, Joseph Dar Events at gmail.com. Hit so, me up. So that's Y O S E F D A R Events 
at gmail.com. Yeah, most definitely. I really appreciate it. You being my first guest here. Well, thank you for having me on. And I know that uh, the relationship between Jose's Groove and the podcast, excuse me, what's that you're listening to? All on Dog Radio. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Excuse Me, What's That You're Listening To? I want to give a special thank you to Mr. Yosef Dar of Dar Radio. He can be found at darassociates.biz. I currently have a program there from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please feel free to email me your playlists at excusemefancast at gmail.com and I will randomly choose a playlist for that day's selection. Next, I would like to thank my fiance Sandra Beebe for getting me back into recording again. As many of you know, doing this podcast means a lot to me and I hope it reflects in my work. I would like this show to feel like it's our show. Please email me at excusemefancast at gmail.com if you're interested in coming on board for an episode. Also, make sure to subscribe and leave us any comments or suggestions for the show. And last but not least, I would like to give a thank you to my former podcast host, Jesse Horner, Engineer Ross, and Associate Producer Daniel Bain for having had work with me in the past. I want to thank you all, and excuse me, what's that you're listening to?